roadmap to renewal. So how, the question we've been asking is how do you renew yourself when you are frustrated or fallen or, or frail and you're, you failed? How do you renew yourself? And the second question to that is how is it working for you? How is what you're doing? Is it really renewing you? And so we're going to Psalm 103, and we're seeing that there is a roadmap for renewal. And uh, so let's look at it. Actually, do I? I don't have my clicker, so I need you to do that. Okay, you set? Okay, I didn't bring my clicker today. All right, so rest stop number one is this. How does renewal begin? That was two weeks ago. And in Psalm 103, the first step is remember what the Lord has done. Count your blessings. So look in your Bible there at Psalm 103, and let's look at the five blessings that we counted. Notice how it begins. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. And in the New American Standard, you got five who's right there. Boom, boom, boom. Lays it out. Who pardons all our iniquities. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. Who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. Who satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. There's the first step in renewal. Reflect on what God has done, and count your blessings. But the next step, the next rest stop, is how does renewal grow? And it grows by knowing your God. Reflect on who the Lord is. So as we remember what the Lord has done and count our blessings, that should cause us to reflect on who the Lord is, and we know our God better. And as you know your God, that's where your renewal really begins to grow. And so last week we looked at six attributes, and we basically said, give it, give it a rest. Our God, our Lord, is a righteous judge. He will make things all right in the end. He will bring justice. Give it a rest. He is a merciful God. Give it a rest. You don't have to worry about whether your past sins are going to hinder you or prevent you from being renewed and moving forward. He is a merciful God who will always forgive. But more than mercy, he's a forgiving father and a forgiving son who is Jesus Christ. He will Always have compassion. It's one thing to forgive someone. It's another thing to move, the, move towards them with compassion along with that forgiveness. And then he's the ultimate promise keeper. He will never forsake us. He has promised as our covenant God to stay in relationship with us. That doesn't mean there's not discipline. That doesn't mean there's not consequences for for failing to obey or trust, but it means that that discipline will not last forever and it's always for our greater good. And then he's the sovereign king. He's always ruling over your life, what's happening around your life, and all that happens to us. And then finally, he is second to none. 
He is holy. His name is holy. And we saw how this is Jesus. That which is promised in the Old Testament is fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ. He is Yahweh. He is the I am God. And so Jesus will always renew us. And basically the way to do that, and I have it there in your notes, and we didn't really hit on this uh, last week, is four steps to this. If you really want to know your God, request. You've got to ask. Ask the Father to reveal himself to you in his Son. Request. And then read. Expect him to reveal himself through his word and his spirit. When you ask God to reveal himself, don't, don't just examine your navel or just uh, sit on a mountaintop or go walk in the woods. Nothing wrong with those things. Those are great places to go. But ultimately, he's going to reveal himself through his word and by his spirit. And then third, reflect. Learn how his acts reveal his ways and his attributes. Reflect on what you read. Reflect on what God is doing. When you do go walk out in the woods, look at creation and reflect. What does this tell me about the God who created all this? Okay? And remember, Psalm 103, it says, God showed his ways to Moses, but only his acts to the children of Israel. They just wanted to get things from God. Moses reflected and thought about who God was. And then finally, respond. And of course, in this verse, in this psalm, the response is, Bless the Lord with all the universe, with all the congregation, and with all that is within you. Listen, this is a process for you to go through each day, really, and each week to be renewed. But that brings us this morning to the third rest stop for renewal, and it's this. What does renewal enable? As I'm renewed, what does it enable? And it's this, resolve to keep doing his will. As you count your blessings, as you know your God, you're going to grow in a fear of the Lord. And we're going to see how this is emphasized in this psalm. So we're going to kind of go back. We've worked our way all the way through the psalm. Now we're going to go back and see this repeated theme of fearing the Lord. And so as you fear the Lord, renewal enables you to keep on keeping on. A lack of renewal brings a desire to quit, a fear of failure, of fallenness that means retreat and isolation. When you're renewed, the renewal is, I resolve, I'm going to keep on doing his will. So let's, and, and let, let me say this, personal renewal is never an end in itself. It's never an end. So it's not about me. It's about God working through me to minister to others. Here's how you know you're renewed. When the focus is no longer on you and your circumstances and your problems, those may be great, they may be significant, they are often painful and hurtful. But when you're renewed in the midst of that, you're still seeking what God wants and to minister to others. In other words, when you think about Psalm 103, look at this passage, when you think about it, it begins with blessing the Lord and it ends 
with blessing the Lord. Look at verse 22. It begins and ends with a God-centered focus. Also, it ends in verses 20 through 22. David is no longer speaking to himself, bless the Lord, O my soul. Now he's speaking to all of creation. He's, he's gone from inward to outward. He's gone, gone from a focus on his own relationship to a relationship with others. So let me, let me say this. When it comes to renewal, there is a service and obedience that lacks praise. We've all been there. There's a service and obedience that lacks praise. But understand this. True praise never lacks service and obedience. Okay, when we're truly praising the Lord, it's not a once a week thing. It's not an hour a week thing. It's not an occasional thing when we feel we've been blessed. It's our praise pours forth in service and obedience. So here's what I want to give you today is this, that true renewal enables us to keep on doing his will with all that is within us. That's what true renewal is. We keep on doing his will with all that's in within us. So from this passage, I want to give you three resolutions of renewal. Here's the three resolutions of those who are truly renewed and if you want to be renewed. Okay, so let's take a look at them. The first one is this. I will fear the Lord above all else. I will fear the Lord above all else. You guys that were at the men's conference know our first session was on fearlessness as men. And Dr. Tripp talked about how being fear is the answer to fearfulness. And that fearing the Lord enables us to be fearless. Well, three times in Psalm 103, God's blessings and renewal come through those who fear him. So look at verse 11. Look at verse 13. And look at verse 17 in your Bible. These blessings that we've been talking about come to those who fear him. To those who fear him. To those who fear him. And so let's ask the question, why is it so important to fear the Lord? Well, here's why. So let's take a look at it. Why is it so important? Well, look at verses 11 and 12. Notice what it says there. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward who? Toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. From who? Those who fear him receive his mercy and his forgiveness. That's verses 11 and 12. Look at verses 13 and 14. He says it again. Look at verse 13. Just as a father has compassion on his children. So the Lord has compassion on who? Those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame. He is mindful that we are but dust. Only those who fear the Lord receive his pity and his compassion. This is pretty significant. Look at verses 17 and 18. He says it again. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on who? Those who fear him. 
and his righteousness to children's children. And so the idea is, here is only those who fear him receive an eternal security and a godly legacy. Why is it so important? Because it's only those who fear him that receive these blessings. So here's the question. Do you want these things from God? Do you want these things from God? Then you must fear him because it's only those who fear him that receive them. Do you want these things for others? Are these the blessings you want on your friends, your family, your children? It's only then you must fear him and teach them to fear him. But I want to give you a warning. And the warning is this. It's in your notes and it's here on the screen. The point is not earning these things by our fear of the Lord. The issue is not our performance. The issue is receiving them with the proper posture. So I want you to see that. So, you know, it it looks like it's an exchange. If we fear him, then, you know, if we are good enough, if we are scared enough, if we are doing the right things, then he blesses us. No, the point is not that you're earning these things. How can you, you know, if you've already failed, you can't earn forgiveness. You've already failed. Okay. If you're already weak, your strength isn't going to get you anywhere with God. You, we are need. The issue is receiving them with a proper posture. And that posture is one of humility. I can't, but you can. The, the posture and the perspective is you are God. I am not. Therefore, I fear you. And he says, that's the right relationship we are to have come into my blessings okay so that's and and we can keep going listen everything rises and falls in the old testament on the basis of whether we fear the lord or don't fear him everything in the old testament and we could keep going i have more verses in your notes in fact let's look at them psalm 34 7 let's take a look at that and uh uh, let's see, what do we do? do, do, do? Okay, why, why, this table, why don't you guys look at Psalm 34, 7. Okay, this table, uh, look at Psalm 34, 9. It's, it's in your Bible, but it's also in your notes if you need that. Back there, Psalm 85, 9. Back there, Susan's table, Terry's table there, and Paul and Kara. You guys look at Psalm 102, 15. And then uh, Dane... Your table back there, look at Psalm 134. And uh, Pat and Jeff, you guys can look at an additional one, Proverbs 9, 10 through 11. Proverbs 9, 10 through 11. And uh, ladies, right here, you can look at 2 Corinthians 7, 1. 2 Corinthians 7, 1. So I'll just give you a couple minutes. Read the verse and see what the fear of the Lord receives. What do we receive from the Lord when we fear him? So talk about it. Take a couple minutes around here a little bit. Everything rises and falls in the Old Testament on the basis of the fear on whether we fear the Lord or we don't. And so Psalm 34, 7, where are we at? You got a, over here? All right. So what, what do we receive when we fear the Lord? 
Yeah, yeah, that's excellent. Yeah, yeah. We, 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 notice what it says. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. There's some great illustrations of that in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. Amazing thing. What about Psalm 34, 9? Where are we at? Right here, okay. No want? Yes, you're right. Oh, the fear. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. All right, so we got protection over here. We got provision. We got some alliteration. Let's go. What about Psalm 85 9? Salvation. salvation. Yes, notice. Surely his salvation is, but notice that key word. It's near to those who fear him, that glory may dwell in his land. Ultimately, salvation is is living life in the presence of God. Isn't that beautiful? You know why the resurrection and a glorified body is so important? It's because only with a glorified body can we withstand the holy presence of God. I mean, we're going to live in the presence of God, which right now we would be burnt like toast if we entered his presence. So, beautiful. Salvation in the presence of God. What about Psalm 102.15? This one was a little tough. Kara. It's still a little tough. Um, well, it kind of yes, yeah, that's it. Notice what this is a great verse. Notice what it says. So the nations, the nations, the Gentile nations, the pagan Gentile nations shall fear the name of the Lord and all the kings of the earth your glory. And, the, and what I was showing them is ultimately it's only through, it's only when the whole world fears the Lord that God's purposes for his big story are accomplished. The ultimate glory of God filling this earth will only happen when all the kings of the earth fear him. Are they doing that right now? No. Are they leading their people to do that? No. But God can just instantaneously transform the kings of the earth. Think of King Nebuchadnezzar, who was so prideful and so puffed up. Look at what I have done. And in a, in a, in a, in a miraculous means of judgment, the holy God humbled him. And, and he became like an animal. And then he came, he repented, came to his spiritual senses and put out an edict in all the land. Glorify the one true God of Israel. And someday that's going to happen. Excellent. Man, that's good. You guys did awesome on that. Psalm 134. I heard all of that, Kara. You nailed it. Keep it up. Got to keep studying. Psalm 134. Who we? Okay, Dana, give it to us. Forgiveness. Okay, what's the idea? But listen, look, look at how it says. But there is forgiveness with you that you may be feared. Isn't that beautiful? God forgives. So again, it's this idea. We're not earning these things. He forgives us and enables us to fear him. So who fear the Lord? Sinners who are forgiven sinners fear the Lord. Forgiven sinners fear the Lord. And so we get the promise of his forgiveness and his promise of his provisions to fear him. What about Proverbs 9, 10 through 11? Yes. Good, good. Let's give those two guys a hand. Good job. Woohoo. 
or a woo-woo. In our group, we always give people woo-woo. Woo-woo. Okay, there you go. You got it. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So everything in, so two things there, perspective and prolonged life. It's the fear of the Lord that gives us a perspective, wisdom and knowledge, in order to see life from God's perspective. And as uh, Jeff said, when we obey that and we live life from God's perspective, we have a, uh, uh, it's typically you will prolong your life. But spiritually, it will be eternal life to you. And then finally, 2 Corinthians 7.1, ladies, what do we got? Here, here it is. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us clean, cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. So what do we get? Yeah, yeah. So what do you receive when you fear the Lord? Holiness. holiness. Exactly. Those who fear the Lord don't live in sin. They don't, they don't remain in sin. Do they still sin? Yes, but because they fear the Lord, they are quick to confess, they are quick to repent, and quick is relative because Lord is long-suffering, right? It may be days, it may be months, it may be, but, but if you fear Him, and I, you know, God, He will reveal His holiness to you. And when He does, as we're going to see here next, You have a choice to either run from him in fear or to run to him in faith and get that forgiveness. And then he will show you how to fear him more. So, first of all, good job, all of you. Great job. What is the fear of the Lord? So let's take a look at this next thing. What is the fear of the Lord? Now, there's a lot that we could write about this and say about this. Chris, you got it? What is the fear of the Lord? It is... The fear of the Lord is all his holy glory. The fear of the Lord begins when we see God in all his attributes. Okay? When we see him in all of them, not just love, but judge justice. You know, not just forgiveness, but also holy discipline. We see him. And when you see the fear of God, now, you say, what is the fear of the Lord? If you look it up in a commentary or you, you know, preachers typically use this definition of reverential awe, okay? And that's okay as long as it goes, but it seems pretty safe and it seems kind of religious. Listen, fear means fear. It means wet your pants kind of fear, okay? It means a terror. This is God. And I'm not. This is God. And so we have only two choices. As sinners, we flight, we run from him, and we say, oh, he, look at his holiness and think about my sinfulness, and I, oh, I don't want to be judged, and yet I don't want to repent. And so we run from him, or we see him in all his glory, and we say, you're God, I'm not, I need you. I need you. So we run to him with a, what I would call a healthy fear. Okay? So I don't want to strip. I don't think you can. It's not me. You can't strip the fear from the word fear. You know, it's not just being in awe of him. It's like kind of being freaked out by him. And like if he doesn't forgive me, if he doesn't draw me into a covenant relationship, I am toast. 
So I really only have two things. So look in the book of Revelation. In the book of Revelation, no one repents. Once God's judgment falls, they fear him and they run to caves and they hide under rocks and they stay in their sin and ultimately they're cast into eternal judgment. But true believers will repent and run to him for salvation. There's more that we could say about that, but that's where we're going to... We'll, we'll, we'll just park it there. So here's the, here's the idea. Here's what I want you to get from this. We've got to keep moving. The godly respond to his attributes by running to him with a humble faith that follows hard after him. The godly respond to who... This, this is basically a definition of fearing the Lord. It's when sinners who have been saved by grace, they respond to his attributes by running to him with a humble faith. Lord, if you don't save me, I'm doomed. Lord, if you don't forgive me, I will never be forgiven. Lord, if you don't show compassion to me, I will not survive. All my false idols, all my false hopes, they don't compare to you when I see you for who you really are. And so I run to you with a humble faith that then follows hard after him. So look at uh, verse 18 in Psalm 103. 103.18 tells, tells us what it means to fear the Lord. So look at Psalm 103. Look at verse 18. And it's, well, it's in the context of 17. Look at 17. But the loving kindness of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. To whom? To those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children. Well, now in verse 18, he, he more specifies who is that. To those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts to do them. That's the people that fear the Lord. It's not just people who have a reverential awe and come to church on a weekly basis. No, it's those who keep his covenant commands throughout the week. Okay, Now, turn your Bibles to Psalm 34. If Psalm 103.18 tells us what it means to fear the Lord, Psalm 34 teaches us how to fear the Lord. And notice... Begin in verse 8, and, and we, I can't take you through all of this as much as I want to, but I at least want you to look at it in your Bibles, maybe put a note in the margin that says, hey, this, how to fear the Lord. These verses, 8 through 22, and look at verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Come near him. Yes, he's holy. He's fearful. But come near him and taste and see that he's also good. And that's the essence of what C.S. Lewis taught us in the Chronicles of Narnia when he described Christ as the lion, Aslan. And Mr. and Mrs. Beaver were explaining to the Pinsy children what Aslan was like. And he's a lion. And they're like, oh my, is he, is he safe? And they say, no, I didn't say anything about him being safe, but he's good. In other words, you should fear a lion. They will always be a lion. But if it's a good lion and you are properly in relationship with him, 
then you will be blessed. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. Fear of the Lord manifests itself in a faith. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want to those who fear him. We read this. The young lions lack and suffer hunger. You see, the ones that are strong and aggressive, and I can do it myself. Men and women who think that way, they're going to suffer hunger. But those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Fearing the Lord is seeking the Lord. It's trusting the Lord. Then verse 11, come you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. And there on verses 12 through 22, he takes them through and just shows how this fear of God brings a covenant relationship where God cares for you and God meets your needs and you honor and glorify him for who he is. But drop down to verse 21 and 22. Evil shall slay the wicked and those who hate righteousness shall be condemned. That's what happens when we don't fear him and we flee from him. But verse 22, the Lord redeems the soul of his servants and none of those who trust in him shall be condemned. So there's that twofold idea that here's the fear of God and he is who he is. And when we come to him, we either flee to our own condemnation or we run to him in faith, trusting that he is not safe, but he is good. And of course, who has the Lord revealed as the one we are to fear? It is the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 20. This is applied to Jesus in the New Testament. 19 and 20, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Jesus had many afflictions, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He guards all his bones and not one of them is broken. That is what happened on the cross. So at the darkest moment of his life, the Lord delivered him, resurrected him, glorified him. He ascended to the right hand of the Father and he was fully delivered. And because he perfectly fears the Lord... He can enable you to fear the Lord. See, he's the one that did this perfectly. He feared the Lord every minute of every day for his entire life. And at the darkest, most deepest moment where he took on the sins of the world, he still feared the Lord. And he can enable you to do that as well. So keep on keeping on. Fear the Lord above all others. Keep on keeping on. Fear the Lord above all others. But there's a second resolution. What does this fearing look like? Here's the second resolution of renewal. I will give the Lord all that I am. When I fear him with a humble faith, I will give to him all that I am. I, this is the second resolution. Look at verses 1 and 22 again of Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within him, bless his holy name. And then verse 22, it ends again. Bless the Lord, O my soul. All that is within him. What's the idea? He's saying this. When you fear God, you give him all that you are in light of all that he is. I'm going to give you all that I am because you have given me all that you are. Listen, when the Lord grants the eyes of our hearts... To see the triune God in all his beauty. The compassionate Holy Father 
through His Son, pours out His Spirit on us, and we will fear Him and run to Him with a faith that obeys. And when that happens, how can you and I not say, Oh, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within Him. There's no, there's no missing the clear message of the gospel, and it's this. He gives all that He is for us, so we can give all that we are for Him. So here's how the godly respond. The godly respond to His blessings in this way. By giving themselves to Him totally. We see His attributes and we respond with godly fear. We receive His blessings and we respond by giving them totally back to Him. Okay? And listen, what motivates that? Listen to 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 15. For the love of Christ compels us, because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. What's he saying? Christ gave him his all for us, so that we might be saved and live all our lives for Him. Not, listen, not in a legalistic, portioned out way of this area of my life I'll give for God, this area I'll do what I want. This much money I will give to God, but I'll manage the rest quite well without you. This, this is, okay, I'll come to church once a week, but I'm not giving any other time. I'm not, I'm not, you know, and it, it's, there you go. How do I do this? Romans 12, 1 and 2. Paul says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. That's how you do it. You do it because what he's done in you enables you to do it. So you don't have to screw yourself up and say, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to give him more this time. And then fall flat on your face. Because it'll last for a while, won't it? And then we fail. And then we get frustrated. And then we fall. But true renewal comes by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. That's a selfless life. Holy, that's a set-apart life. Acceptable to God, a life that satisfies God before it satisfies you. Yeah, but I'm not satisfied. Well, live a life that satisfies God, and you're going to find your satisfaction in Him. Man, this is hard for young people. It's hard for older people. It is just, this is a lesson we have to keep learning. I'm not satisfied. I'm not fulfilled. I'm going to try this relationship. I'm going to try this job. I'm going to move to this state or get a new place to live. I'm going to find satisfaction. I'm on a quest to find satisfaction. And God says, listen, when you live to satisfy me, you will be satisfied in me. And I can't explain that, but it works. And it's true. So, here's the resolve. Resolve to keep on keeping on. Give the Lord your best before all others. Or I was thinking about it, and I, I really I should have said, give the Lord your best before the rest, because that has a little zip to it. Give the Lord your best 
before the rest. And let me give you, I got a little chart there for you, and we're not going to like work through this, but let me, uh, let me give you, let me give this to you. Give Jesus your best and your first. So the way you give him your best is you, you, you give him your best, but you give him, you give to him first. So you don't pay your bills and then give God the leftovers. You don't fill your calendar with your events, your family's events, your work responsibilities, and then give God the leftovers. All right? Talents. You give him your talents. We need people to use their talents to serve the Lord. I'm so appreciative of the guys that cut our grass because I'd have to be out there doing it. No, I'm appreciative because it's their skill and their ability. They do it well. They do it with passion. And every Sunday, it furthers and advances the kingdom of God because guests come and you come and see a place that is well cared for. Amen? And that's skill and ability. But I want to talk about thinking because here's an area where we need to give God our best and our first in our thoughts in a social media age. Are you with me? So there's a lot there. Tony Rinke, uh, I've read his book, 12 Ways Your Phone is Changing You. Great book, I recommend it. 12 Ways Your Phone is Changing You. I would title it 12 Ways to Be Challenged and Convicted. Okay, so take a, take a look at that. And, and it, a little smaller book to, to begin with by him is Competing Spectacles, Treasuring Christ in a Media Age. So think through this. You know, uh, there's not a lot of space there. You can have a legal pad, but think through before the Lord. And as you fear the Lord, think through on a daily basis, how can I give him the first and best of my time? On a day, daily basis, how can I him the first and best of my treasure and then think weekly and of course the lord's day is the is the the power point of that but i also quarterly so that you know like every three months you're thinking through this well how's it going how am i doing on this and then on a yearly basis there ought to be a point every year and i use it our world outreach celebration where you just rededicate yourself and your family and all that you have to the lord and that's just something he led me to do so every october i do that you find your time but what's the bottom line on renewal and here's where we got to go third resolution the bottom line on renewal is this I will obey the Lord in all things. Listen, if you'll make these resolutions, I will fear the Lord above all else. What's that look like? I will give the Lord all that I am in light of all that he is. And therefore, the bottom line, I will obey the Lord in all things. So notice verse 18 again. God brings these blessings to those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts to do them. So how does the godly respond? They respond to his lordship by obeying him daily. They respond to his lordship by obeying him daily. And notice in your notes, trust and obey, for there's no other way 
You know the song, to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. But there's no other way to be renewed. And that's what happy in Jesus means. I'm renewed to serve Him. I'm energized, even though I am weak. Even though my circumstances are hard. Even though God hasn't answered prayers like I have been asking Him to. And notice... There's only one way to keep his covenants, and that's by trusting him and his provisions. Here's the beauty of this. Under the old covenant, they didn't have the blessings of the new covenant. But in the new covenant, through Jesus' blood, here's the good news. We can keep his covenants because God's law is written on our hearts. That means we have the desire to obey. You don't have to conjure it. His law is on, that's your heart's desire as a Christian. New covenant means we have God's spirit in our lives. We have the power to obey. The new covenant means God's son is on our side. We have forgiveness when we fail in obeying. And finally, the new covenant means we have God as our father. And that means his love enables me to love and obey out of love. So we have all his provisions. And yet there's only one proof that we have remembered his commandments, and that is to do them. So here's the idea. So here's what I want you to resolve. Resolve to keep on keeping on. Obey the Lord in all things, great and small. We don't get to determine the level of our obedience. We don't get to determine where we obey. He's Lord, we're not, and he enables us to do it all. And so look at the end of Psalm 103. At the end of this, David, enjoy, he, he, he calls out to the holy angels and says, Bless the Lord. He calls out to the holy armies of God and says, Bless the Lord. And then he just sweeps his hands out and says, All creation, the trees, the animals, the fish, and the birds, bless the Lord. And then he comes back, and I'm a part of that. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. Listen, don't miss out on the purpose for which you were created. Amen? The fear of the Lord transforms our rest stops into pit stops for fulfilling his purpose for our life. So take a rest stop and count your blessings. Know your God. Fear the Lord. But the rest stop is meant to be a pit stop onto the race of fulfilling his purpose. I want to end with this quote, and it's in your notes, by Puritan pastor Matthew Henry. And we'll end with this. He who made all rules all. And both by a word of power. He disposes all purpose, per persons and things to his own glory. There is a world of holy angels who are ever praising him. Let all his works praise him. Such would have been our constant delight if we had not been fallen creatures. Such it will in a measure become if we are born of God. Such it will be forever in heaven, nor can we be perf perfectly happy till we can take unwearied pleasure in perfect obedience to the will of our God. Let the 
feeling of each redeemed heart be, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Let's pray. Father, You're a fearful and awesome God. And You have shown us, You have taught us how to fear You, how to find rest and renewal. But true renewal is not self-centered. It's centered on You. It's centered on others. Lord, it's those who fear You that answer the call to faithful obedience here at home or like our missionary partners, faithful obedience to wherever you send them. But Lord, it only is accomplished as each day, each week, each year, we really surrender all that we are in light of all that you are. I pray for each person here. We've all come with different burdens. No one's here without a burden or without something they're anxious about. But Lord, your fear, the fear of you is greater than that. Knowing that you're not safe, but you are good. So let us run to you, run to you this morning and place our faith fully in you, your son, by your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said, amen. Be renewed this week.